This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is Sheep Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Savor Productive iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have a classic episode and an update for you about Sriracha. Oh, yes, because a lot, as I'm sure a lot of you have probably heard, has been Maybe. going on in the world of Sriracha. Oh, okay. Well, right. So, so you, this episode originally aired in April of 2018. So our timeline, you know, cuts off there. Um, mm-hmm. and I was not aware that there was drama. Um, oh, I was because, <laughs> because it suddenly became impossible to find Sriracha. Right. You could find it on eBay for like a hundred plus dollars. Sure. Uh-huh. Um, and so I was, you know, I had to know Being why. you, you looked into it. Sure. And I... Learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, okay. So, so we're gonna. It's it's a super fun episode. Uh, so, so we're let, let's go ahead and run the episode, and then afterwards we'll do some updates. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Here we go. Hello and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And all, all of your intro lines are so good. And then I always wind up being the one who's who's tasked with delivering them. Yeah. Because you're so good at delivering intro lines. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, this is Food Stuff's hottest episode to date. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> See? Because <laughs> we're talking about sriracha. Sriracha. Can you remember the first time you had sriracha? Oh, uh, oh goodness. Can I? No, I cannot. I think the first time that I realized that it was becoming very common was maybe about, oh, I want to say six years ago, right around then. Yeah. Maybe. Wait, maybe eight. Oh, goodness. It feels I, like it's been a while. A while. 
Maybe it was more like 10. Maybe I have no idea. <laughs> you have no clue What dates time. are made of. Yeah, but but when I started seeing it in like in like pubs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like otherwise American or English style pubs. I was just like, oh, this is this, this is, is here now. Real this thing. Is real. Yeah. Big time. How about you? I think I tried it. I tried it pretty recently. <laughs> um, and I remember, I think it was our very own Tracy V. Wilson, yeah. who she was talking about how most of her food she saw as like a conveyance to get sriracha to her <laughs> mouth or something. And I was like, well, I've got to try this. And I very overly ambitiously, um, I just put Oh, did you way, over sriracha? Way too much. Oh. It was good, but it's it's spicy. It's not not spicy. Yeah. Yeah, and I I like tears were coming out, <laughs> nose was running, and I remember being sad that this was my first experience, but knowing it was good, and I should return and yeah. try again. <laughs> that was my first uh, sushi wasabi experience. Oh yeah, but not another story, another episode. Yeah. Yes, the wasabi episode. Yeah. So sriracha. What is it? For me, always spicier than I think every <laughs> single time. But I do, yeah, I love this stuff. Me um, too. It's called rooster sauce pretty commonly uh, because of the rooster logo based on Hoi Fong's brand Sriracha based on inventors, the inventor's zodiac sign. Ah, yeah. Okay. I thought that was an interesting fact. Um, or it's also sometimes called hipster ketchup. <laughs> uh, oh. Yeah. It's a condiment or a sauce made up of Red pepper, vinegar, garlic, sugar, and salt. Uh, plus maybe a couple extra preservatives to prevent microbial growth and to keep it bright red. Right. And it is spicy, about 1,000 to 2,500 units on the Scoville scale. Tangy, a little sweet. The Scoville scale, if you haven't heard of it or if you're not sure how it works, ranks how like spicy hot things are based on the sensitivity of human taste buds. Ooh. Mm -hmm. If you take a spicy thing and dilute it with water, eventually you will get to the point where the human tongue cannot detect the heat anymore. Uh, Sriracha's ranking of 1,000 to 2,500 Scoville heat units means that you would have to dilute it by that many times in order to make the heat undetectable. Oh. So, like, if you have an ounce of sriracha, you'd have to add anywhere from 1,000 to 2,500 ounces of water before you wouldn't be able to feel the heat at all anymore. That's quite a lot of water. I know. <laughs> also, fun facts about the Scoville scale. Uh, this is determined these days through much more precise high-performance liquid chromatography instead of, like, physical taste testers as it was back in the 19-teens when it was invented. <laughs> I do not envy those people. I like spice a lot, but hoof. Yeah. Uh, also, the scale does have a bottom. I think think of something like bell peppers mm -hmm. uh, or pimento, perhaps. But it does not have a top. Carolina reapers are among the world's hottest known peppers and have been ranked at over 2 million SHUs. Oh, man. I think there's a video of um, Joe McCormick, one of our coworkers, trying a Carolina reaper. Just straight up eating it. And it kind of went all wrong. And you feel bad for him, but it's also funny. <laughs> Well, it didn't. It went wrong in the sense that it, it it's incredibly spicy. You can tell just by watching. Oh, sure. And he said it it felt like I think getting stung by thousands of bees. Oh, yeah. Oh, now I remember that video. Yeah. yeah. But his um, mother in law was trying to be helpful and was like, "I'll get you some milk." And she gave him some milk, and he took a sip, and it was expired, <laughs> <laughs> like really expired, really bad expired. 
<laughs> and then we tried that chip. Uh, yeah, over on uh, the the Facebook Live show snack stuff that Ben Ball and I and I do, our producer Ramsey had gotten us one of these Grim Reaper uh, Carolina single Reaper chip. chips. It's a single chip. It comes in a single uh, coffin shaped package. Yeah. <laughs> And we had we shared like a fraction of it, and then after the show was over, Annie ate a fraction of it too, and I responded much more strongly than she did. It was quite spicy. It was quite spicy. I don't know. Your your very your poker face is great. I learned from Lady Gaga. <laughs> um, <laughs> the biggest brand of sriracha sauce is the aforementioned Hoi Fung Foods in the United States, and that's the classic bottle you see with the green with cap. the green cap and the green rooster logo. Yes. Yeah. It's owned by David Tran, a Vietnamese immigrant. The name Sriracha itself comes from hot sauces from Sriracha, a town in Thailand. And those chilies are key, um, not just for obvious reasons, but also because they are made, Sriracha is made with fresh chilies, not dried chilies. Yeah. Um, And this has presented some obstacles. According to Tran, quote, we can only grow as quickly as our our ability to harvest chilies grows. (laughs) In 2016, that came out to 100 million pounds, around 45 million kilos of fresh chilies. That has to last an entire year, which, well, (laughs) due to our love of this stuff is not necessarily a given. And I will touch on this later, but that's one of the reasons why um, you don't see ads for sriracha. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. Huh. They're like, well, we we basically sell everything that we make already, so... Yeah. (laughs) We're doing what we can. (laughs) Um, Let's look at some numbers. If we take hot sauce as a whole, the industry is in the top 10 of America's fastest growing, and globally, sales exceed $1 billion. What? Yeah. Hoi Fung Food Sriracha sold 20 million bottles in 2016, coming out to around $60 million. In 2013, Los Angeles hosted the first L.A. Sriracha Festival. I hear tell there's a whole sriracha menu at Taco Bell. Um, But it is or was, I'm not sure if it's still around, made in-house, not the Hoi Fung brand. Mm -hmm. If any of you listeners know about that, Write in and let us know. (laughs) Um, One of the reasons it's so popular is because it is so versatile. It's good straight, but also good for mixing with other sauces or condiments like mayo. Oh, yeah. You can add it to soups like pho, use it as a marinade in cocktails. It was Bon Appetit's ingredient of the year in 2010. I had a sriracha milkshake one time. What? Yeah. I can't say that I enjoyed the experience of it. Was it with, like, ice cream? Yeah. Wow. And, like, peanuts. Like, peanut sauce. This is blowing my mind. Yeah. Was this local, a local place? Uh, yeah, it was at Palookaville. Oh, yes. They have many an interesting milkshake over there. Yeah, this one might have been too interesting. But... Too too much, perhaps. <laughs> However, it shows that uh, sriracha can be used in many, many ways, and it has been. Absolutely. Yes. A lot of copycats are trying to get in on this game, and the lawyer behind sriracha's creator reports this means an annual four to five infringement complaints. Like people, I've seen pictures. The bottle is very similar designed, right? Because they they don't actually have it copyrighted. The, mm-hmm. Anyone can make a sauce, call it sriracha. Sure, but you the the logo sure. and the look precisely is what is getting these copycats in trouble. And Tran, the guy behind sriracha, is a very interesting fellow. Despite being at the helm of an extremely lucrative brand, the success of which has led to a cult like following. 
merchandise, and a documentary. He isn't interested in being filthy rich. Or that's not his main goal anyway. He claims to never have raised Sriracha's wholesale price, never mind inflation. He says he's not entirely sure who the distributors are, (laughs) just that he has been using the same 10 for over 10 years, and that he's only certain that it's sold in the U.S., Canada, and Europe, but he speculates it's sold in other places. He doesn't know for sure. Um, I would speculate that too, though. I think that's probably a very good guess. Yes. Sriracha's never been officially advertised, like I mentioned. He's refuted several offers to buy the company and intends to keep it in the family. His son and daughter are the president and vice president, respectively. Uh-huh. And he once said, rather than being a billionaire, he simply wanted to make enough fresh chili sauce so that everyone who wants hoi fung can have it. Nothing more. Huh. Yeah, that is not your typical CEO. No. I think he also said he's going to keep making it until no one wants it anymore, and then he'll stop. Wow. <laughs> I think that's a long way off based on some of, yeah. The... Coming details, yes, I I would say probably going to be making it for a lot longer. (laughs) So let's let's look at some of those details that led to Sriracha becoming this huge behemoth of a condiment. Right. But first, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. 
and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. The history of sriracha goes all the way back to 9,000 BCE when someone was looking to add a kick to their omelet. Ah. No, just kidding. Oh. <laughs> it actually all started with Thomas Jefferson in France. What? No, not that oh. either. <laughs> Fake out. <laughs> um, the consensus is that the first person to make sriracha was a Thai woman named Tanam Chakapak over 80 years previous. At first, she made the stuff mostly for her friends and family, but eventually she made it available for purchase under the name Siraha Panet. This version is a bit thinner and tangier than what most of us are probably used to. You can still find it in some specialty stores and I believe on Amazon Prime if you are interested. If we look at David Tran and Hoi Fung Food Sriracha specifically, Tran had been working with chili in Vietnam since 1975. His first hot sauce, pepper satay, became, came in baby food jars, and he mostly reserved them also for his family members. And I think he, del- he like, hand-delivered them on a bike. Oh. Um, yeah. In 1979, escaping from increasing persecution of Chinese people by the new communist government in Vietnam, he took a freighter by the name of Hoi Fung to the United States. And later, the name of the freighter would be the inspiration for the name of his company. Huh. Yeah. Chan arrived to the U.S. as a refugee. He found the American hot sauce scene lacking. So he set out to come up with his own recipe. He set up shop in Chinatown near Los Angeles in a 5,000-square-foot building in 1980. Along with his pepper saute sauce, he started selling a chili garlic sauce, sambul olik, and, of course, sriracha. Various kinds of sambal are yes. my other favorite thing on the planet. I add them to all the stuff. I'm not entirely sure what those are, to be honest. I saw them on the website, and I'm very interested to try them. I've got like three different kinds in my house right now. I'll, okay, we'll work this out. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> it's like a thicker, chunkier kind of chili sauce. Kind of like maybe salsa meets chili yeah. sauce? Like salsa meets sriracha, yeah. Ooh, yep. I'm on board. <laughs> At first, Tran sold his creations out of the back of a van, a blue Chevy van, <laughs> according to the Hoi Fong website. <laughs> yep, he delivered directly to Asian restaurants. As sales and profits increased at an unforeseen rate over seven years, Tran moved to a much larger 68,000-square-foot facility in Rosemead, California, started developing his own custom equipment, and the company was born. Yes. By 1996, 68,000 square feet was not enough to satisfy sriracha demand, and Hoi Fung moved two doors down to the old Whammo building, upgrading to 170,000 square feet. If you don't know what Whammo was, it was a place that sold frisbees, slip and sides, hula hoops. From um, Whammo. What, what is it? From Whammo. I don't know. There was this like perky lady voice or child voice that was always at the end of the, the, the commercial. commercials. Yeah. Man, I was so good at hula hooping. <laughs> and this, I'd forgotten about slip and sides until we did this. And Ooh. now I'm like nostalgic for that. 
the slip and slide time of my life. I always injured myself. I don't know. They were painful. Like, there's no cushioning, right? <laughs> you launch yourself and you're just pretty much in belly, belly flopping onto hard soil. <laughs> but still, I miss them nonetheless. Nostalgia is funny that way. <laughs> um, Trans said of this in the, in the documentary about Sriracha, before that building was filled full with hula hoops, now filled with chili. I love <laughs> But even that wasn't enough. Chan relocated operations to a 650,000-square-foot facility in Irwindale, California, in 2010, though it wasn't up and running until a few years later. The facility could produce 3,000 bottles of sriracha per hour. Oh, yeah. And this brings up the Great Sriracha Panic of 2013. Oh, oh. It was very serious. I actually do remember this one. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Um, it seems that not everyone in Irwindale was thrilled with the new Sriracha factory, and specifically the smell. A Los Angeles Superior Court ordered the factory to shut down, to which Tran hung up a sign that read in all caps, No tear gas made here! Oh. Yeah. Sriracha had to pause operations, hence Panic! Ten cities contacted Tran, offering to host the factory. However, moving would not be so easy. All of the fresh chilies and chili farmers were in California, and he didn't want to have to lose all of his employees. The solution came in the form of an upgraded filter for the ventilation system, and the lawsuit was dropped in 2014. That same year, Tran opened the doors to his factory to the public for the first time, in his words, to prove they don't make tear gas inside. (laughs) It sounds like a very Willy Wonka-esque tour, too. I really want to go. Yeah, apparently there's there's weird, like, memorabilia rooms. They have fire hydrants that are specially branded with the <laughs> Sriracha logo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah. In Atlanta, I remember this happening because one of um, my favorite local food trucks, Yumbi, they have a queso sriracha sauce. And as you can guess, it's very popular. Um, and when this sriracha panic happened, the customer fan base freaked out that their sauce habits would be impacted. Oh. And Yumbi brought out all the sriracha they could find to to make sure that they would not run out. <laughs> People are very serious about this. They are. Well, and they're, yes. <laughs> their queso sriracha is really tasty, so I understand. It is, it is. As of 2016, uh, Hoi Fang's sriracha finally started being distributed in his home country of Vietnam. Oh. Where it is popular, although apparently not not, not a complete hit yet. There's there's a lot of hot sauces on the market over right. there. And so, you know, so it's kind of, it's a Thai-style thing in, a Viet, in, in Vietnam and all kind of working it out. But for some people over there, they're like, oh, no, this is the best thing that's ever happened. <laughs> More of this. Yes. It is quite delicious. And I, I love this story. It's, um, it's a good one. It's a good company history story. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we do have some science for you, uh, up to and including what's up with that bad smell from the Sriracha factory? <laughs> yeah, what's up with that? But first, we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. 
salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, as you have probably noticed, a few compounds in hot peppers are irritants to mammalian mucous membranes. Oh? Yep. Oh. <laughs> things are starting to fall into place now. <laughs> yes, uh, your 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 eyeballs, your your mouth, your sinuses. There are a couple things in hot peppers that will irritate any of them. This is also the science behind why people get so excited about spicy foods. Oh, really? Oh, really? <gasps> <laughs> Capsaicin is great. Yeah. Um, and, okay, in the case of sriracha, sriracha also does have uh, salt and sugar, and those things also make people kind of excited some of the time, mm-hmm. as we have discussed before. Uh, but, you know, those are essential parts of our diet, so our brains reward us for seeking them out. Spicy hot stuff, not not really. Oh, no? Nah, there, there are no essential nutrients in capsaicin that I'm personally aware of. Oh. <laughs> uh, and, and also, sugar and salt do not, to the same extent, injure us. Yeah. <laughs> not that immediate burn, anyway. 
But capsaicin does interact with our nerves and brains in a very interesting way. Uh, It is one of the active ingredients, so to speak, in hot peppers, which probably evolved to make it in order to protect their seeds from fungal or or other microbial infections. Uh, Capsaicin and other similar particles, sometimes called capsaicinoids, are antimicrobial. They may also deter the kinds of animals that eat their fruit without properly spreading their seeds. Uh, Like birds, for example, would just swallow the seeds and then spread them far and wide where mammals might chew up the fruit a little bit too much and kind of masticate the the seeds in the process. So they evolved this this irritant to many mammals' taste receptor nerves. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. All jokes on you. Yeah, because (laughs) then humans got here we're a little bit masochistic. Apparently. <laughs> All right. We've, we've talked on the show before about how our taste buds and other taste receptor nerves work in our mouths and our sinuses. Not just on your tongue. They're in other places. Mucous membranes. Yeah. All of those nerves are set up to react to particular compounds. Some will send a signal to your brain when they encounter sugar or other sweet-tasting molecules. Uh, others react to salt or something bitter or sour or savory or spicy. As the brain collects those signals repeatedly and from enough individual nerves, we experience whatever flavor those signals add up to. And the particular nerve receptors that are activated by capsaicin are proteins called TRPV1. And these happen to be the same proteins that tell us when something is physically hot, like temperatures above uh, about 109 degrees Fahrenheit, that's 43 degrees Celsius, will trigger it. It's also the same nerve that tells us about electrical voltage. And when these nerves are activated and send signals to our brain, our brain interprets these signals as, ah, something is very wrong and it's causing damage. We're like, ha, ha. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we get that way for a couple of very particular and excellent reasons. Because because this this warning triggers a couple of reactions. First, you experience pain, Mm -hmm. uh, which is the body's way of telling you that, you know, like you've, you've done stuck your hand in a fire. You should probably pull it out. Probably. But your nervous system also gives you extra resources to help you cope. It may trigger your fight-or-flight response, so you're, you're alert. You can react in order to prevent more damage, like getting away from the fire or, or putting it out, perhaps. And your nervous system will work to lessen the pain. It will release endorphins into your system to block the pain signals and dopamine to calm you down and make you feel like, you know, everything's going to be all right. Mm-hmm. It's been compared to the rush of euphoria that you get during a runner's high. Oh, yeah. Which is a serious thing, yeah. So if you can bear out that first pain part of spicy foods, that second part can be pretty nice. There's even been research into how capsaicin might be used to moderate chronic pain. Ooh. Yeah. Mm, I can't wait to do an episode on... To dive deeper into spicy foods. Oh, yes, absolutely. Oh, maybe maybe we could get that Joe McCormick back. I know he loves talking oh, about that. he does. We have a lot of spicy food aficionados <laughs> in the office. We do. Oh, and I can tell you, I can tell you from firsthand experience about that runner's high kind of kind of feeling, euphoria feeling. We uh, one time on one of Jonathan's Jonathan Strickland's Facebook Live shows he held a hot sauce eating contest and he had like, I don't know, maybe like 15 or 20 bottles lined up in order of least to most spicy Mm -hmm. with the most including like Carolina Reaper and stuff like that. And uh, I jumped in after the stuff that bothers my stomach, but in so right around the like the like habanero section and on. And I 
I guess so. I, I must have tasted 10 or 12 Ooh. hot sauces just in a row. Uh-huh. And not a lot of them, just like a couple drops. But like the, the thing ended and my boss came up to talk to me. And I was like, I can't talk to you right now because I feel so high. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like bracing myself on the table. Like, and be cool, be cool. <laughs> I was not okay. I was not okay for like maybe half an hour. And it wasn't, I mean, I don't know, like like the physical, it was really funny. Dylan joined us for, for that experience as well. He was cool as a cucumber. Uh, y'all, Sounds I, about right. Remind me to never play poker with the two of you because cause <laughs> both of you I've, I've witnessed eat like the spiciest stuff that I've ever put in my face. And you were both like, huh. It's spicy. <laughs> but on the inside, we were screaming. <laughs> uh, I was screaming on the outside. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm so interested. I love spicy food. Yeah, me too. But I have, I've learned that I, I'm not, well, I, I perhaps, <laughs> when I travel to Asia, I learned that maybe I'm not as uh, strong as I like to think I am. It's a different kind of spice. It is. It is. And there, there are different. One of the things that I found when I was researching this is that there are different types of spice that will hit you a little bit differently. Yeah. Uh, long versus short and uh, yeah, stuff like that. So, oh, yeah, really excited about looking more into that. Absolutely. And, and you do build up a tolerance over time. Yes, this is true. And that brings us to the end of this classic episode, but it also brings us to some pretty juicy updates. Oh my goodness. I, I feel a little bit, I, I try, look, man, uh, I, I have a uh, personality flaw <laughs> in that I love gossip. I love it. And I know that that's not good. I know that that's like not a positive human quality. So I really try to tamp it down. Uh-huh. But the further that I looked into this, the more I was like, oh, this is way too juicy to not share with everybody. <laughs> uh, okay. So, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> um, all right. So, our, so our timeline uh, pretty much ended at like 2016 ish. Um, and I, I will say that this sauce and/or flavor kind of hit its like peak hipness or, or popularity back around when we did this episode. But it certainly hasn't gone anywhere in the in the meanwhile, aside from off the shelves occasionally. Um, I, I feel like it's less a trend now and more like a part of daily life. Like it is just normal to go to a grocery store and see. The flavor sriracha marketed on all kinds of packaged products like ketchup or mayo or ramen or frozen chicken nuggets or potato chips, you know, whatever. And I will say that uh, in the meanwhile, the Hoi Fang brand has expanded throughout most of Southeast Asia. Um, as of 2018, they were making some $80 million in revenue every year, up some $60 million two years prior. Um, so expanding. Mm-hmm. Um but it has not all been peachy for Hoi Fang. Um, the brand has been going through, as Annie said, uh, as, as we both just said, uh, shortages again um, on and off since summer of 2020, which to be fair, like a lot of products hit supply issues in 2020. It was sort of a thing. Um, but this has been a more systemic problem. All right. In July of 2020, and then again in April of 2022, the company released statements about jalapeno shortages, preventing them from doing full production runs. And so during that, like, stock ran out and demand has had third-party sellers, like, basically hot sauce scalpers, 
um, offering bottles for right $30 and more a pop where they're usually, what, like five bucks? Mm-hmm. And you range. couldn't get it in your, when you got delivery. No. Oh, so certainly much, not. Uh... Certainly not. No, no. Yeah. Some stores were just out. Right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and okay. Um, all of the strange weather conditions that have happened, been happening in the Southwest brought on by climate change over the past few years, um, you know, drought and fires and flooding, all of these have indeed affected crop output in that area. And this is where these jalapenos are grown. Uh, climatologists are, in fact, calling the conditions in northern Mexico and or the southwestern United States a mega drought, like the driest 20 years that we've had in the last thousand years plus. Um And it's actually really concerning to some agricultural experts because small peppers like these are fairly sturdy, drought-resistant kind of plants. Um, I've seen it called a canary in the coal mine of climate change in, like, multiple journalistic outlets. Uh, However, I've also read that these particular jalapenos are, like, a little bit more finicky about needing water than most. So I I don't know. I don't know. Um, But at any rate, there's more to this story. Oh, do tell. (laughs) All right. The trouble actually starts back in 2016. It either wasn't really being reported on at the time, or if it was, maybe we weren't looking in the right places, like the keyword searches can let you down sometimes. Um, But okay. What happened was uh, Hoifang broke up with its long-term pepper farm, Underwood Ranches. They'd been partnered together since 1988, like going back to before the Whammo factory days. Yeah. Um, (laughs) However, in 2016, uh, David Tran said that they had overpaid Underwood by like $1.5 million for that year's crop. Tran then started buying from other farms and sued Underwood for that money. Underwood countersued for business damages, and they won, eventually, a $23 million judgment in total, minus, however, that original $1.5 million. Um, It is an amazingly sticky mess. And so dramatic um, and (laughs) honestly does not paint Tran in a very pleasant light at all. Um, Mm. The long and short of it seems to be that Tran and his company were kind of banking on like being able to source cheaper peppers on the open market instead of contracting with this one farm. But the weather has not cooperated. You know, these have not been bumper crop years and demand for peppers is outpacing supply in general. Um, And so without dedicated growers working with them, Tran has not been able to source enough peppers to produce enough sauce to keep up with demand for it. But, but that's, Mm -hmm. that is glossing over the drama. Do do you guys, do you guys, do you guys want to talk about the drama? You know we do. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What we have here is a case of food fraud or like food related fraud at any rate. Uh, Okay. So. Hoifang Foods had been partnered with Underwood Ranches for 28 years um, through this period of tremendous growth that the sauce brand went through, right? Um, They sometimes sourced peppers from other farms to meet demand, which was fine. But Tran also worked really closely with Craig Underwood, the farm's owner, on some mutually beneficial deals over the years. Uh, According to the court paperwork, which is a fascinating read, by the way, um, around 2006, When Tran was getting ready to move into that even bigger plant in Irwindale, Tran came to Underwood all like, hey, I need more peppers. I would rather buy peppers from you. So if you expand your acreage, I'll pay you by the acre grown instead of by the pounds produced. 
so, like, you don't have to worry about putting all your peppers in one basket. Like, even if you have a lousy crop one year, I'll pay you the same for it, however it turns out. Uh, this was a pretty great deal for Underwood. So over the next 10 years, Underwood went from making about a quarter of its revenue selling peppers to Hoifang to making, like, 80% of its revenue there. With Tran's encouragement, they leased a bunch more land for pepper growing. They developed this new mechanical harvester to help them pick more efficiently. They were just really bouncing along with this mutual success of these peppers and this brand of sauce. And this brings us to 2016. Um, everything seemed to be going relatively business as usual through the first week of November of 2016. Um, Craig, Underwood, and Tran met to, uh, to talk about their plan for the 2017 season. They talked about the preparations that were already underway. Uh, Tran agreed to uh, $18 million in advance payments for what would become uh, 1,700 acres of peppers, which he would eventually pay a little over $22 million for in total. Okay? Uh-huh. Lots of money, lots of land, lots of peppers. Yep. A week later, the floor falls out. Uh, Tran suddenly says that Underwood needs to start selling him peppers by the ton, not by the acre. And furthermore, at like 500 bucks a ton, which I don't know anything about peppers, but I guess that's low. Um, <laughs> and that Underwood needed to make the contract for this with this new company that Tran had started called Chilico. Okay. <laughs> uh, which is all a lot, um, especially mm -hmm. a week after going through this whole plan for 2017. Um, so it turns out that Tran, along with Hoifang's uh, COO, Donna Lam, who happens to be Tran's sister-in-law, they had been working on starting up this company Chilico for a couple of years with the purpose of Chilico obtaining peppers for... Hoifang Foods. Tran later testified that he created the company in order to give ownership to Lam in lieu of a salary increase at Hoifang because he didn't think that the board would have approved the salary increase, but that's not really here nor there. Um, but so anyway, so so suddenly Tran was saying that that Underwood had to sell him peppers by the ton at 500 bucks a ton, and that he actually had to sell them to Chilico. But Chilico didn't even have the liquidity to send along any advance payments. And Hoi Fang wasn't going to cover it either. Ooh. <laughs> uh, and meanwhile, uh, Tran had tried to hire Underwood's COO, one Jim Roberts, away from Underwood three times. <laughs> uh, the first one, Roberts had sort of like blown off as a weird mistake. Uh, the second two happened in the middle of this whole, like, November, December 2016 absolute cluster hug. Um, so, okay, so R R Roberts was like, no, I'm not doing that. No, thank you. Underwood said no to all of this and thus ended the contract, which was a total financial disaster for Underwood. You know, they had empty farmland. They couldn't get out of their leases. This this contract ending cut, again, 80% of their revenue. They had to lay off, like, 40 employees, like, half of its staff immediately. Um, Hoi Fang, meanwhile, was fine for the moment. Like, they contracted out with other farms um, and, and showed those other farms confidential video that Underwood had sent of how this new mechanical harvester that they had developed worked. Ooh, hoo, hoo. <laughs> oh. 
And then, and then, Hoi Fong sued Underwood for that $1.5 million in overpayments for 2016's crop. So, <laughs> Underwood countersued for uh, breach of contract and intentional contractual fraud, uh, basically saying, like, y'all knew that you didn't want to keep working with us. You encouraged us to get even deeper into the hole mm-hmm. for you, and then you dumped us. That's unchill. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, and the jury awarded Underwood $13 million in actual damages and an extra $10 million in punitive damages um, to be paid by Hui Fang minus that original $1.5 million. But the but the mess the mess did not end there. <laughs> no, <laughs> because Hoi Fung appealed. <laughs> mm-hmm. By then, this was 2019. Um, you know, Underwood had already spent a couple years in the hole now, and they were looking at another couple more in the appeals process before potentially seeing the settlement money. Uh, so they wound up accepting a litigation finance deal from an investment firm. Um, the firm, like, floated them $4 million bucks that they would not have to pay back if they eventually lost the case, but that they would have to pay back double if they eventually won. Uh, investment at 100%. Hoofda. But it was kind of what they had to do to continue with this court process. They didn't have the money for it otherwise. Uh, the courts did eventually decide to uphold the original decision. Hoi Fang had to pay Underwood out in summer of 2021. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. Like, just holy, like, y'all could have made this better for yourselves at any point, but you did not. No. Just dug a hole deeper and deeper. <laughs> Hoofda. Uh, uh-huh. Leslie Stahl actually did a segment about this whole thing on 60 Minutes in late 2022 um, with, with a focus on that litigation funding aspect because, you know, it's basically like betting on the outcome of a court case. Um, and although it can be cool because, right, like it can help small businesses that can't afford to go through with court cases. Uh, but it's also this multi-billion dollar investment business that has very little oversight and and some experts worry that it's predatory um, or or even just on a very basic level changing the way that the law works in this country. Um, So that's a whole thing. A bottle and sriracha. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it's probably cool for small businesses most of the time. Big businesses are actually trying to get, are, are the ones trying to get this stuff shut down and uh, uh, regulated more strongly, which always makes me think it's a good idea. Um, however, I would say that on like a personal level, you should probably never take out one of these loans because it's a little bit more hazardous and you might not fully understand what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. Anyway, okay, that that aside, um, yeah, yeah, Underwood, um, you know, paid their $8 million bucks back to this investment firm. Um <laughs> And uh, they're doing they're doing great now. They occasionally get reached out to for interviews about how the jalapeno climate change issue is going. And they're like, we have no problem sourcing peppers. We're doing great. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they started producing their own sriracha <laughs> and some ball mm-hmm. and garlic chili paste in uh, 2023, um, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I think is very funny. Uh, yes. 
you can buy that at underwoodranches.com if you so choose to. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it would not... End of the day, it really wouldn't surprise me if Hoifang Foods was having so much trouble sourcing peppers because farmers are unwilling to work with them. (laughs) Yeah. That would make sense. Um, I feel mm-hmm. like after watching all that go down, I would also be reticent. Um, yeah. I I will say also a, a thing that I've seen happen in the fallout of all of this is that a lot of people are like, you can make your own sriracha. It's not that hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have not tried it. I know neither here nor there, but I just know I have seen a lot of articles like, Make oh yeah. Your own. <laughs> yeah, there's certainly a lot of articles out there that are that are like out of sriracha. Um here's substitutions for you. Go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. I'm definitely <laughs> using I have like half a bottle left and I use it so sparingly. It's, it's uh, quite quite hilarious. I think uh, I I think I have like a local <laughs> supermarket brand. Um mm-hmm. At this mm-hmm. point, which I I did before I knew all of this, although yeah, I think <laughs> right <laughs> that is probably what I shall continue doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, what drama to to visit in this revisit? Of Sriracha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, so thank thank you all for coming with me on my gossip bender. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> and yes, listeners, if you have any information about this, yeah. thoughts about this, recipes, brands, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. please let us know. Oh, yeah. You can email us at hello at saverpod.com. And we are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. 
Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.